song. That's my introduction. I am here. It's Friday morning. It's your buddy Tommy D coming at you. Where else? The top of my house from the attic. It is Philanthropy and Focus Day. It's Friday. It's 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Your boy is in the attic. What is this program all about? Well, you've heard it before. I am all about the nonprofit sector. So here's the situation. I believe that these organizations are often un- underrecognized, underfunded, unmentioned. I don't know how many more uns I could put out there, but there's just not enough light, spotlight on the nonprofit sector. And that's my, my answer to that is philanthropy and focus. Each week on the show from 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time till 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, you watch us on Facebook Live, you check us out on talkradio.nyc. I bring on an executive leader of a nonprofit organization and have them tell their story. Today, we have some extra props behind. So if you're listening only, you don't get to see the extra, uh, which joined me in the attic, but I have my inclusion shirt. I walk for inclusion. More on that to come. And this is something my sister had made up for me. So shout out. Love you, kid. All right. So let's get into the program. So if you just come off mute and you get a sec. Um, so today I have the distinct honor to bring on my friend Sophie Dubuisson. And yes, I pronounced that correctly because I practiced it for a couple of months already. So I'm going to read a quick background on Sophie. So Sophie spent a lot of time in the event management business um, in her younger years and then has a great story of her connection to the organization we're going to talk about, Best Buddies International, specifically what goes on here in New York State. Um, she was the area director for uh, for just um, just about a year and a half, maybe, right? Yep. And now is the state director of New York State for Best Buddies International. My relationship to Best Buddies is uh, we actually met and connected, and I've done some work with them through our family foundation. Um, I met Sophie probably right before we were all sort of put into lockdown. I mean, like literally. I think we went out for that, you know, some, some apps, was. right? Wasn't it like February? Before. Yeah. It was that February. Yeah. So just here this is about you today this is about the organization my whole show is just to amplify and and draw this light upon the organizations that i bring on the show so why don't you tell me sort of how you even got involved with best buddies and then we can talk into the history of the organization as well but i want to give you that opportunity to talk about your connection to the organization sure yeah well first of all thank you for having me super excited um as tommy mentioned we got to know each other um about a year ago which is kind of crazy. I don't know if that feels like a long time or a short time this year, but um, I'm excited to be here and share more about Best Buddies. So um, yeah, I I first got involved in college. I went to University of Wisconsin in Madison. um, And even I think it was maybe even my second day of school, I went to the org fair, saw Best Buddies, had recognized the brand, the Keith Haring logo, um, and was immediately wanting to join. Um, and from then on, I, I've been a volunteer and I've been matched in, in different friendships over the years, which has been really wonderful. I had a great experience in college, um, got to be really involved. We did our own friendship walk, which we'll talk more about later, but we did different events. Um, and I, I was matched in a relationship, friendship, um, and I'm still in touch with that buddy today, which is awesome. So um, after that, I moved to New York. And as Tommy mentioned, I did a uh, I worked on large scale events, um, bacon and beer festivals, taco festivals, things like that um, in cities all over the U.S. Uh, And then from there, I really just got lucky. And I I had been volunteering with the junior board in New York City for Best Buddies. Um, I got got matched in their program. I ran the marathon for Best Buddies um, and then a job opened up and it was the right fit and they gave me a chance. And here I am today. So been about a year and a half and um it's been a really great experience so far and i'm excited to talk more about what we're doing locally and see how people can get involved potentially that's awesome thank you well said love the background love um just like your energy for what this is all about you know your the organization obviously makes an incredible impact each day but it's it's people like you on the front lines in these organizations that are doing the work you and your team so talk to me if we can go back to kind of the history of the organization when yep when Anthony Kennedy Shriver founded this organization or, or really did what he was doing on the college campus before it was even uh, an organization or a nonprofit. Yeah. So it's been around for 31 years at this point. So 1989 was when Best Buddies officially became um, a nonprofit organization. And it was the first national unified organization and program for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So um, since then, it's, it's really grown today to be across all 50 states in, I think, 18 different countries. Um, the main 
purpose is to help form one-to-one friendships, leadership opportunities, integrated employment, and in some areas, inclusive living opportunities for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. But, and we call that IDD. So if I use that term, that's what I'm meaning there for anyone listening. So, you know, our programs really just empower those people with IDD to form those friendships and to secure jobs and live independently, improve their self-advocacy and communication skills, um, and overall really just feel valued by society. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, And our goals are just to provide that programming and um, build those communities for those people, um, because otherwise they do tend to get left out. Um, and, and especially these days, of course, I'm sure we'll talk more about the pandemic, but um, you know, social isolation is very real. And especially for those who, who you know, don't typically have as many opportunities as, as others. So um, our goal really is just to be as inclusive as possible and, and bring as many people in as, as possible. So, you know, before we get to even programs and things like that, why don't we talk about, you know, the, the inclusion side of things and how important that is specifically to this population, this community. Um, you know, I'm familiar with the fact that when when individuals age out of, of the school systems, often, you know, there's there's this, where do they go? What do they do? There's not, the, the lack of programming is, is always what I hear. And, and I spend a lot of time in the IDD space and I appreciate you telling everybody what it is because I, I forget that it's, it's jargon and I say it all the time and then I right. have to explain what I meant. But, um, it, you know, so I spend a lot of time with other organizations in this in this sector, in this space. Uh, just t- talk if you could from the needs perspective, you know, because some people just don't realize if you're not aware and you don't have, you know, somebody in your family or close to you, um, with IDD, you just don't know. So can you speak to that a little bit? Definitely. Yeah. And I think um, you can see the need across every, like every part of your life, you know, starting from when a child is young, all the way up through adulthood. Um, and we really try to build communities throughout the span of, of people's lives so that it's not just that we have a school program and then they go off, they graduate and go off into the real world and they don't have any opportunities. Um, so you know, first and foremost, the the inclusion part at schools is incredibly important. I mean, studies show all the time that uh, having friendships is huge for for growth um, and for you know emotional well being. So for young kids to be acclimated and, and become friends with people who aren't like them and build communities that way, it's huge. Um, and it, I think so many of us rely more than we know on those friends that we have um, and the people close to us. So if you are, if you have barriers against that, it's a huge, um, huge, you know, it hinders your ability to grow and to, you know, become independent. So, you know, that the school programs are really wonderful because we can rely on the teachers and the advisors and some, you know, student leaders to run those chapters with our support and host these different events and bring people together within their schools. Um, but to your point, once people graduate, what's what's next? Um, and that's something Best Buddies is still trying to figure figure out. And we're still in the process of, of kind of connecting the dots. We have college chapters, but you know, those are not at every college. We're not in every school. Um, part of why we were raising funds and why we're still, um, you know, ex- in existence is because we, want to expand and the only way we can do that is by raising funds and um being able to hire more staff and expand into more schools and uh reach more people so um after the school programs you know it goes up through college but then at that point um depending on where you live and what city you're in we do have citizens programs so citizens is our adult-based friendship program um that's incredibly important too i mean for many of us who are adults we know that um, finding those niche communities and, and friendships as an adult is harder than it is at a school. You know, you can't, it's harder to find a, you know, org fair to walk into and find, find something you care about. You really have to put yourself out there and it can be, it can be hard. Um, so our citizens program is in New York City, you know, locally. Um, we have other citizens programs across the states, but uh, the one that we focus on is here in the city. Um, we have over 400 people involved there. So almost all of those people are matched in a one-to-one friendship. Um, and we've seen huge success with that. It's been really meaningful, especially this last year. Those are um, relationships that everyone can really rely on. And, you know, those are people they can keep in touch with and potentially um, hang out with if they feel safe. So it's been, it's been huge. Um, and then lastly, we have a, a jobs program. So 
that uh, program is something that we're trying to grow and, and be able to employ as many participants with IDD and to integrate in employment as possible. So, you know, that type of inclusion is also incredibly important. And it's, it's that's something that I think um, many of us sort of forget is that jobs aren't readily available or, it, you know, competitive, well-paying jobs are not readily available for part, people with IDD a lot of the time. Um, and it, it does take a lot more to to get those people hired and to you know go through different government agencies that you need to to make sure that you know we're doing what we can to to get them in a competitive job that that pays them a living wage so all in all you know what we're trying to do is make sure that people have friends make sure that they can have a job and have the leadership skills to live independently those are kind of three core things that we focus in on um and without those three things, it sounds really simple, but without those, you know, you, you know, it's really difficult to live independently and you have to rely on other family members or um, friends or whoever. And if you don't even have friends, then yeah. it all kind of cycles back to not having what you need. So, so, so we're going to take a break in about a minute or two here, but what okay. I, <clears throat> so we really set the stage well there, there. And what I want to do is what, I, what I'm hearing you say though, and I don't even know if you and I have talked about it in this way, but maybe it's just really obvious to other people and I didn't see it, but it's really the lifeline or the life of the individual, right? Back from, yeah. I mean, even with, with our foundation, with the Lindy Lou Foundation, originally we, we opened a schools program with Best Buddies and then uh, it was a high school, but then we've gone down to middle schools at this point. So it really can start, it starts at a very young age um, and your programs can cater to that young age. And I think to your point about friendship, it's important as early as possible to engage in these relationships, right? To know how to socialize, to know how to, uh, to collaborate together, right? To, to give and take all that stuff. And, um, but then it, it sounds like this takes you through the lifestyle or rather the life of, of these individuals, right? Because yeah. you take through, through the schools program, through the jobs program, through the citizens program. So I'm guessing though, that there's probably individuals that have been, been involved with the organization for years and started out maybe in a schools program, right? And now they're in the citizens program or jobs yep. program. Is that right? Yes, there definitely are. Actually, we um, right now we're uh, meeting with different senators across the state of New York to fight for government funding. Um, and we've invited one of our ambassadors to join us and I had never met him. His name is Michael. And, uh, you know, we were getting to know each other and he said, Oh yeah, I started with best buddies, um, on Long Island in middle school. I, I, we don't have to say his last name, but I think I know Michael. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he started in Long Island and then he, you know, was in middle school and high school. And now he goes to college up in Albany and now he's speaking to senators and their staff about why, you know, best buddies is needed. And, um, it's just, I, you know, I didn't, I had never met him. I, I didn't know who he was, but he's an incredible ambassador and he's gone through different trainings with our staff and um, he's really honed in on, on his skills and he, it, it shows and he attributes that to his involvement with Best Buddies and is, is really, you know, that's, he feels that's why he's able to do what he does. And so yeah. um, as a staffer, that's like, that's awesome. And I've met Michael, cause I think we're talking about the same guy. I, I was involved yeah. in champions dinner a couple of years back here. Mm. Uh, I think he was my campaign manager. If we're talking about the same person. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're going to go to a quick break, but I, you set the stage so well, I want to come back. I want to talk about the schools program, yep. move that into the vocational, the jobs program, get, eventually get to citizens and really dive in and want to learn more about the needs of the organization and, and where the people that listen to my program, the people in my network and community can really plug in so, and support best buddies specifically here in New York. So we'll awesome. be back to do that. So it's Tommy D and Sophie Dubuisson here in the attic, philanthropy and focus, we're live. We're going to go to a quick break. See you in two minutes. Thanks, guys. Bye. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
all you listeners looking to boost your business why not advertise on talk radio nyc with very reasonable rates interested simply send us a message on our website talkradio.nyc Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join me in the attic, 10 a.m. live every Friday morning. Sophie, I didn't tell you this in the first segment. This is how I usually start the show, but I guess I had so much inside my head. But I like to say, welcome to the show. So I didn't do it, so I'm doing it now. Welcome to the show. 15 minutes late, but welcome to the show. So that's the theme song my buddy Brendan wrote that for me. Uh, In fact, I put out a video last week and I sang the song. And um, I don't know if I did as well as, as Ben did, but that's another story for another time. So let, let's talk the schools program. I mean, I was at the Long Island Imagine Awards a couple, maybe four or five years ago, and I had never heard of Best Buddies. And I'm sitting at a table, and um, the Long Island Imagine Awards, is, which I've shared with you, which we have to get Best Buddies to uh, apply for the New York City Imagine Awards. We can talk about that off the show. But the Imagine Awards, I'm sitting there and these two young ladies are, are at the table and they're explaining what Best Buddies is to me. And I said, we need to talk. I want to be involved. I want to help. And, and 45 minutes later, they won the uh, one of the Imagine Awards that night. So it was super special. So we're jumping up and down the whole thing. And, and I got what they did. And I said, so we have this foundation, which you're very aware of, but maybe all my listeners are. In memory of my cousin, we have a foundation, the Lindy Lou Foundation, and all the money we raise goes to serve organizations who serve this community, the IDD community. So Best Buddies for me back then was a no-brainer. And specifically at that point, it was the schools program. So let's dive right into schools. And I want to hear from, from if we're talking to, there's potential donors listening, there's potential, there's superintendents listening to this program. There's all different constituents, different stakeholders. So let's set it up. Yeah. Um, well, so the school program, as I've mentioned, is is our first pillar that we, you know, started with at Best Buddies. It started at a college at Georgetown with Anthony Shriver himself. Um, and we've really grown that to you know, be to work in any sort of school um, opportunity. So elementary, middle, high school, college, um, you know, it, it's super dependent on the area, but here in, in New York City and occasionally on Long Island, if a school doesn't have a special education program, we can partner that school with um, a host site. So an organization that does have individuals with IDD who we could match up in, in these one-to-one friendships. Um, so the, the main idea there is really that we um, provide the school with resources. What we look for is schools who have an advisor or a teacher who can um, kind of run that program and, and find some student leaders who are interested in spearheading it and having a leadership role. And then what they do is, um, you know, try to match up those students and those one-to-one friendships and host different events and meetings and um, raise money for, for Best Buddies if they can. Join us at our friendship walk. Um, they then have access to you know, all of our resources when it comes to programming. Um, We have different trainings that we do, different events um, throughout the year. So it really is just a a way for schools to bring people together. So often, um, at least even in my experience in high school, the special education program was really quite separate from my general education that I, you know, I attended. I, I sort of knew where they were in school, but I never got the chance to interact with those students. And um, that's a really big miss. You know, that's that is um, it's sad in a way. And, it you know, if you don't have the access to get to know people in school, um, you're not going to know that they even, you know, have a need when you become an adult and it's just cyclical. 
So um, across the state of New York, we have more than 130 school chapters. So we're in four regions in New York. Um, so that includes Long Island, New York City, Albany, and the Rochester area. Long Island specifically has um, about 34 school programs, which is awesome. So that's through elementary through, through college. Um, and yeah, I mean, our, our main goal is to expand to as many schools as we can. Um, the way that that's possible is by be, you know, raising more money um, and being able to essentially hire more people who can then take on the work of opening more schools. And um, it, it, it does take quite some time for us to um, have those conversations and, and meet with these schools and, and get people signed up and um, get all of the applications in from the students. And it can, it's um, not just as easy as snapping your fingers and saying, boom, you're open. So I think sometimes um, it's hard to grasp that it, it, there, it, it is expensive for us to, to work on that. And it takes a lot of staff time. So our main goal, typically when we're raising funds and the funds that we, we try to get through the government helps us do that and, and helps us um, be able to expand and, and find more school programs and support those school programs that we work with. So, so let me ask you about this. So logistically, if, if mm -hmm. a school has the interest um, and then, you know, what we've done with the Lindy Lou is we've sort of sponsored some of these programs to open up. Right. If the school has the interest, you have the logistical know-how and the infrastructure to get this program up and running. So they, what they need to really provide is, is somebody who is going to sort of own this project. Yep. And, and what does the commitment look like from somebody like that, an individual advisor, you know, time commitment, what, what are you looking for there? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's sort of dependent on how large the program is and how invested the person wants to be. I mean, we see a range. There are some school chapters that have maybe 10 members. And so the effort on the advisor there is probably you know, lower. But I spoke with an advisor the other day who's on our walk committee for Long Island, and she said that they typically have over 200 students involved. So, you know, that effort on her end is, is slightly different. Um, yeah, so it's it's pretty incredible when you can see how, how and both are, are successful and both are, are great. Um, I would say typically, you know, we, we ask that these um, advisors are basically just there to oversee um, we really like to have our students take those leadership roles and run with it and have that opportunity to lead, lead groups. So um, really what we would ask if it was a new school, if there was a teacher or a parent or a student who is interested or, you know, a principal, whoever, we would just look for somebody who is willing to meet with, with these kids at least once a month, um, help them with, you know, getting any sort of applications in. Oftentimes you need parents sign off. So sometimes there's some some work there, you know, typing it, administrative work, um, which I know teachers don't need any more of, but it's for a good reason, I promise. Um, that gets everybody in the system. You know, we have all the emergency contacts. We have sign off on, on everything liability wise. Um, we really take all of that. So it really is just up to the teachers to help these students plan any sort of events, like if they want to do a bake sale to raise funds or at their next chapter meeting, they want to do crafting, like how do they do that and where do they where do they do that so it's really the the adult who can help plan that out um and then we look for student leaders so ideally um somebody who who is from the special education program or who has idd and somebody or there are a few people who who don't um it's nice to have a mix of people who are in those leadership roles and they can really come together and say okay you know how do we get our friends and other people to join in so that's really that's really it um we typically start with on our end, we start with phone calls, you know, we, we chat with the school administration, we chat with the advisor um, and the student leaders to be sure everybody's on the same page, everybody's confident about starting the program. We then um, work with them to set up an info night, typically. So we would host, a, you know, specifically for parents, oftentimes, we'll have a, our program managers can and that's somebody from your staff will go out there and Correct. support the school staff. Correct. Like our, our staff will basically either do a phone conference or go in person to host an info night and answer any questions parents might have. They can learn more about the program, why it's important, why maybe their student or, or child should get involved. Um, and that kind of brings it all together. People have the resources that they need and know, and they, they have an understanding of what it really is. Um, and then from there on, we really just work on getting it up and running and getting people to, to sign up and, and join in and get matched in that friendship. So the, the, you know, the process typically takes a few months. 
um, and uh, quite a few phone calls and quite a few meetings. And then from there, it's it's really just um, up to the school how, how far they want to run with it. And as I said earlier, you know, it can work with 10 people, but it can also work with 200 people. So it's really up to them and what their capacity is. I want you to share with me a couple quick stories, if you could. I didn't, we didn't rehearse this, so I'm putting you on the spot. But there's some anecdotal stuff about like p- individuals who have been in the program, whether they're neurotypical or that with IDV. Either way, what, your own experience we heard about, but t- just some of the stuff that you've seen in the programs. Yeah, I mean, I think oftentimes what we see is that these friendships are really long-lasting. Um, that's something that I've noticed over the years and that people repeatedly say, you know, I'm still in touch with my buddy from 10 years ago. And these are people who I just run into in the city, you know, or, you know, whoever I'm chatting with. And when we um, hear from our students too, you know, they're often just really, really grateful to have a program that allows them to get to know people who are different than them. And that goes, you know, on, on both sides. So oftentimes that that is what it is. And we, we hear those stories and um, it can really lead to, one of my uh, colleagues actually had his buddy from high school and his wedding. You know, we have these these relationships. Friendship. That, it's like, you know, it's, it's not, a friendship. It's You're being, making this, friends. Right? It's not just doing this thing to do the thing. In the yeah. You, you're developing relationships. We're exactly. All, we're all different, right? So it's a matter of just connecting with somebody. And if you right. care and about I, somebody, you love them, why are they going to leave your life? Because right. you're cool, right? Right. And it's so often that we forget, you know, and it's kind of what I had brought up earlier about even in my own high school, you know, I didn't even get to communicate or hang out or even really see any of the students who weren't in the same classes or program that I was. Um, And I feel very grateful that I got to join Best Buddies in college and I got to have that that opportunity. But um, that's why I think our school programs are so, so, so important. We hear that from parents all the time, like, this program has changed our child's life because it mm. allows them the opportunity to meet people that they otherwise would be kind of, you know, segregated from. And that's, um, that's, you know, a game, but that's that, that changes lives. I mean, yeah, right, it does. two weeks ago, I had um, somebody who we know in common, my buddy, Michael Katakis from the spirit of Huntington Arts Center. And certainly they're changing lives from a, yeah. you know, a social perspective, but then a vocational, which is where we're going when we come back from a break, I want to go right into jobs because, yeah. um, you know, I, I just, to, to jobs is a, it, obviously this, this relationship in the school system is, is critically important, but then there's this whole piece where people have so much to give. And, and when you're, and you're making an impact and when you're working towards a goal in a job, it, it changes your whole perception. It changes your confidence. It changes your yeah. outlook on the world. It changes a lot of things. And um, I, I want to go into that when we come back from this break and really dive into jobs. I don't want to talk about the specific needs of jobs, what you what you need, who company yep. you want to partner with, things like that. So right. we're going to go to a quick break. It's Tommy D in the attic, philanthropy and focus. Sophie Dubuisson, best buddies of New York state director. I must say best <laughs> buddies of New York. So super excited to have you on the show. We'll be back in two minutes, everybody. Stay tuned. Thank you so much. You're listening to talk radio, NYC, uplift, educate, empower. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. You know you have it. The potential for a more rewarding life, a life that matters. But how do you get there? The answer is in a best-selling book by the coach of the successful and wealthy, Ken D. Foster. The Courage to Change Everything, Daily Strategies and Wisdom to Awaken Your Hidden Genius and Transform Your Life. With this powerful yet amazingly simple daily guide, your future is in your hands. You will be empowered to unlock your potential, bring out your true gifts, increase your wealth, and take your life and business to a new level. Get your life-transforming copy of Ken D. Foster's The Courage to Change Everything by going to couragetochange.us. That's couragetochange.us. Quite frankly, there's no other book like this. 
Imagine what your life could be like if you had at your fingertips the success principles to create the life you've always wanted. Are you ready to live your dream? Go to CourageToChange.us. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his I sung it as well, Brendan did last week when I did a video on it. But um, join me in the attic, the nonprofit sector connect your buddy Tommy D, Tommy DeMisa, coming at you every Friday morning, 10 a.m., amplifying the message of nonprofit organizations. I believe that nonprofits make an incredible impact every single day, each and every single day. They change our worlds, and Best Buddies International is certainly one of those organizations that does that. Sophie's here with me. Sophie, let's go into now. We talked about the history of the organization. We've discussed the school's programs. There's never going to be enough time on my show. I realized that the first week of doing it, but there's always the opportunity to have people come back. So um, let's go into jobs. Let's talk about the jobs program and how, how critically important it is. Definitely. Yeah. So the jobs program um, is basically our chance to help find employers and uh, competitive integrated employment opportunities for individuals with IDD. Um, it's an adult-based program, so 18 plus. Um, and, you know, we we work with a, a variety of different corporations, organizations who are willing to hire um, one of our participants. This, it's been difficult this year, um, specifically, you know, because of the pandemic. We were very lucky here, I guess I'll back up. In New York City, we have... Um, about 35 jobs participants, um, and most of them are employed in in a job. We have about four um, in job development, so that means that we're our team is looking for employers and um, helping them interview and, and practicing and, and um, trying to find jobs that that work for them. So, you know, going into 2021, we feel really lucky that most of our jobs participants uh, kept their jobs. Throughout the pandemic, um, we actually were able to even get four um, new jobs for our participants who were in job development. So that was a huge win and a huge shout out to my jobs team for um, fighting for our participants and finding those positions. One of our uh, participants, for example, used to work at a um, it was like a sort of a restaurant market type of uh, type of organization, and they unfortunately went under due to the pandemic, um, and so he was left without a job. But um, on a positive note, you know, he's, he loves art and is really artistic and we ended up finding him a job at Michael's. So it just sort of worked out well that, you know, he loved his original job and he got along so well with his coworkers and he, um, was really sad that he wasn't able to work there anymore, but now, um, he's really able to go in and, and be at a place that sort of feels like home. So that's just, again, kudos to the jobs team for always finding solutions. You know, we're never, we're supported employment from the get-go. So once somebody is on our list, like, we will just keep fighting to find them a job. If they lose the job, we're there to help them find a new one. If they don't like the job or they want a career change, we're there to help them and find that pathway. So it's supported employment for life. Um, so that's part of the reason why you might wonder, you know, why is it only 30 people? Could you try to grow that really quickly? Well, we have to, we would need more staff to be able to do that. We have two staff members right now. Um, and, you know, when we're doing, especially now virtual trainings and um, working with all of these participants a certain number of hours per week, it's hard to think of how much time is there in a day to be able to bring in new people. Um, but of course, that's the goal. So this year, we're looking to find five new employers. So Let me me ask you that because I want to be specific because the people listening, like I'll I'll give you, for instance, um, shout out to my mom. I know she listens to the show every day. Thanks, mom. Um, Mm -hmm. But she heard last week's program and she referenced that Sister Tisa Fitzgerald from Our Children out in Long Island City mentioned that they need computers. Um, So she reminded me of that. I mean, I was on the show. I should have remembered that. But I had my mother telling me Friday night that that's that was part of the conversation. And I and I said um, that sticks out to people. 
you know, people who might have access to those types of resources might be able to make an impact for our children. So talk five new employers. What are they? Is there, is there a, an, an archetype, a profile? Like, what do they look like, the employers who, who are engaging in the program? The short answer is no, there isn't really a prototype. Um, we work with a variety of different employers. So, for example, like Michael's or um, Pfizer or, um, you know, the New York Public Library, mm-hmm. Link Fitness. So we, it, it's a broad range. It doesn't have to be a massive corporation. We have some smaller um, smaller organizations, like actually in Long Island Market, Epstein is, um, I believe, a law firm or a, a smaller firm. Um, so that, you know, is, employs uh, one of our participants. So it really can just vary. What we look for is um, any sort of integrated employment, which basically means a position that um, oftentimes is salaried, might have some benefits involved. It's not necessarily it's not a, your minimum wage job. Like the average wage for our participants is um, $16 in across the, the program. Um, so that's significant. And that's, that's definitely above minimum wage in some areas. Yeah. Obviously New York city, we're lucky it's 15, but that's not what it is everywhere. So, um, you know, we're not, it is, it, it can be specific, but it, we also can be flexible and it really depends on the potential employer and the participants looking for jobs, but, um, you know, anyone who's interested can absolutely get in touch with us. And that's why our jobs team is, is there. They are doing job development. They get on the phone with these potential employers, really explain the process. Um, so who, so tell me, let, just to cut you off for a sec there, tell me who those people are. So this is a call out before you tell me, this is a call out to employers who are plugging into the program, business owners who have the, the passion for serving this community, the, the IDD community, and, and want to have the great value that these individuals can bring to your organization and to your company. So if you're that type of business, you can be a, a local professional services firm, or you can be a, you know, billion dollar, uh, you know, payroll processing firm, for instance, maybe, and, and anywhere in between. So, yeah. so tell me, yeah, now they're listening. So who do they call? Who do they reach out to? Um, well, they can reach out to me. I think that's an easy one. Um, and I can just direct them right over to my colleague. How do they get, do they get to you? Um, well, you can use my email. It's sophiedubuisen at bestbuddies.org. Um, so that's that's a good way. Or I'm on LinkedIn. You can always find me there. I know Tommy tags me a lot. So you can always <laughs> find me on, on LinkedIn um, and message me there. Uh, we definitely use LinkedIn to look for jobs. Um, and I do want to, I, I think it's important sometimes to give some examples of the types of jobs because... Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people don't fully know what that means and they don't know what, what that job might look like. And, um, you know, this, that's not technically my role, but I can at least give some overview as to what my jobs team does. So, you know, it can be a front, uh, like an office manager, um, the office that best buddies is in is, uh, within Klingman and associates, which is one of our top, top donors. And they give us office space and our office manager is one of our jobs participants. So, you know, she does everything from, sorting the mail to scheduling to um, basically managing certain people's schedules. And um, so she really does all of the administrative work. I'm sure she does so much more and and would be like, what are you talking about? I do a lot more than that, but those are the main, that's how she helps me, Um, you know, ordering stuff for, for for the kitchen and supplies. And she's probably the one who was dealing with trying to find hand sanitizer in April, which was nearly impossible. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, that's the type of job that might be available. Other jobs would be, yeah, maybe working at Michael's as, as somebody who um, restocks and um, potentially, you know, helps with, with um, ordering or, or counting what's there and, and restocking and everything like that. Um, and, you know, at Blink Fitness, it might be doing what a, a general employee does. You know, you have to wipe down the equipment sometimes. You have to people in, you have to like clean the towels, do laundry, um, organize the locker rooms. Um, so, you know, it, it really can, can vary and people have different skills and different um, needs and, and wants, but typically, you know, we can be really flexible and there's probably somebody in our jobs development who's looking for a job who could fit the bill. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're just trying to find more employers who can hire them and then we can bring in more participants and keep it moving. So yeah, I, I, I'm going to put you on the spot and I, yeah, I just, I'm thinking, because this is coming to me as we're sitting here and maybe it's, maybe there's not an answer. Maybe it hasn't happened before, but, you know, you express the, that, that maybe one of the challenges is 
the funding and the resources you have on your side to kind of ramp up the jobs program. But what if an employer, maybe this has happened already, but what if an employer came to you and said, I want to be involved with this. And not only do I want to have one of these individuals on our team, um, but I, if it's going to be, if I can't get it done because of the funding, maybe I can, you know, make some sort of donation as well. Have, have you done that already? Or is there, you know, kind of yeah. a quid pro quo, maybe type of scenario? Yeah. I mean, to an extent, yes. I would say often, you know, we look for a myriad of, of support. So oftentimes our employers are very generous and also donate to our events, which helps us continue our programming. Um, so typically, you know, we do try to get our employers involved in, in our fundraising events. Um, and, you know, if they're employing one of our participants, it's, it's not a requirement that they have to then donate or, or contribute. Um, but oftentimes we find that they do because they just immediately get involved or maybe their their um, team can create a friendship walk team where people can get together and, and volunteer as a group. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. And it sometimes people don't have the capacity and mm-hmm. by people, I mean, potential employers or organizations, you know, corporations don't have a position available or, you know, we just went through, we're in a pandemic. Maybe now is not the ideal time to hire, Um, but you can work with us in other ways. You know, we can do training sessions that we can provide a a DEI training for corporations. We can do um, a smaller career development day, for example. So we bring 10 employees from a company with 10 of our participants we could do resume building, mock interviews, communication in the workplace, um, you know, trainings for, for our participants, for people to join in on. Um, they could start a corporate chapter. If they have a group of people who's willing to get matched up in our, in our program, we can, you know, start a chapter for them um, or sponsor an event. You know, really, if, if employing somebody is not an opportunity, then typically we, we would focus in on these other volunteer opportunities that, you know, often include um, some sort of donation because it, it does take a lot of time and effort on our, um, our end to put together those materials and host some sort of training or um, start a chapter at that, at that organization. So, um, you know, it's all kind of dependent on what, what people are looking for and what they're opportunities are so, so i'm thinking it's it's more access to employers though which again you we, were friends yeah. we, we've connected a bunch over the last year i can't believe it's such a short time so you say we only know each other like a year yeah i, I can't kind of don't believe that except last year it's kind of just stretched out maybe that's, yeah. maybe that's why so um but it, those are some of the things that that connection wise and relationship and networking wise in 21 you and i personally have to work on just right into those opportunities into those employers and you know, bring out networking, virtually networking, at least for now. Um, all right. So we're going to go to a quick break in a moment here, but what we're going to do when we come back, I really want to talk about, I want to talk about the friendship walk. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about any upcoming events in 2021 and, and sort of your big picture vision as the state director, what New York state can accomplish from a best buddies perspective in, in 21. And, um, and then we're just going to, believe it or not, we're actually going to be finished with this conversation. It goes fast every time. I, I, I can tell we're having fun. So um, maybe we'll do this again. But we're going to go to a break right now. I'll see you all in two minutes. It's Tommy D and, so, and Sophie D in the attic. Yes. <laughs> see you soon. All right. Okay. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc.
Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. on another incredible leader of another incredible nonprofit organization and my entire intention here is to help them amplify their message today we have sophie dubuisson of best buddies international best buddies new york state state director sophie let's talk about i mean we, we don't have a lot of time left together and i want to make sure we hit upon some things that are important that you have this platform now so i want to talk about events and what's upcoming but anything you want to make sure we hit upon before we get into that no, I think we really covered everything and hopefully um, this was helpful for people listening to know what we're looking for and how we work. I think it can be sort of difficult um, to know exactly what we're looking for. So hopefully I made it clear and, and um, easy to understand so that people know how they might be able to get involved. Um, of course, anyone can always reach out um, or go to our website to learn more. If you if you go to the Best Buddies page, you can find New York and find the staff members and emails and everything like that. So super easy to find us. Um, and we have tons of opportunities available for a wide range of people. So always open to people reaching out to us. Love it. Um, All right. So they'll find you on the website, you know, yeah. they can email you directly from there. Yeah. Okay. Yep, that so, works. so let's dive in. What is, what is the rest of 21 look like for Best Buddies of New York? Yeah. So we have an upcoming event. We are doing a friendship walk on May 1st. Um, we are going to do a walk in all four of our regions. So that's in New York City, Long Island, Albany, and Rochester. Um, this year, we're trying to do as much as we can. Um, it's going to be a hybrid event. So specifically on Long Island, um, that means we'll have both in-person and virtual elements so that people can get involved in any way that they feel comfortable. Um, basically what the in-person element would mean is that we would have um, people come in waves. So it would be a longer, you know, day, maybe sometime between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And every 30 minutes have a new set of 30 or so people come with their teams, pick up their t-shirts, take a photo, grab a water, do a quick walk around the venue, and then be on their, their merry way. Typically the walk, for those of you who don't know, the walk is over, you know, around a thousand people at Marjorie Post Park every year in Massapequa. Um, we have a stage, we have music, Tommy brings Italian ice. Is that Italian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I end up on stage. Yeah. I'm, like, always, I, I'm always kicking and screaming. No, no, I don't want to go on stage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's big and we have food and raffles and um, it's, it's a really big, fun, amazing day. Um, so, we did it completely virtually last year um, because that was right at the start of the pandemic and didn't really have um, many options. But now we're, we're trying to do both. So we'll have, we'll go, you know, live on Facebook. We'll have opening ceremonies, different video footage, ways for people to get, you know, learn more about us and hear from our participants and volunteers. Um, but then also the opportunity to come in person and, you know, say hi to our staff, grab their shirts, do a walk with their team, really celebrate. Mm -hmm. So um, that's coming up on Saturday, May 1st. Um, that's going to be, when you say all regions, is that, that, that's Long Island and upstate New York, but it's not, not the city or is it the city? It is the city as well. So we're doing, we're doing the same hybrid event in all four of our regions. Got it. Okay. Yep. So everybody will do, I mean, it might look slightly different in the different regions, depending on location and um, who else involved, but um yeah, and, and statewide, our goal is to raise about $150,000 between the four events. To put it in perspective, um, the New York City walk in previous years raised over $200,000 just on its own. So we've really, really had to cut back on our um, on our budget and on our revenue goals due to everything going on. So as you can imagine, that's, that's pretty significant for us. Um, in Long Island, typically, 
that walk can raise fifty thousand dollars, and our goal this year is uh, closer to twenty. So yeah, you have to re recalibrate just because of the way things. Yeah, are. yeah, exactly. And we, you know, we totally understand that it's a really, really difficult time, and people aren't always in in a position to be able to donate or fundraise um, or feel comfortable fundraising. But we're hopeful that going into this next year, we can provide the resources and encouragement to um, remind people how necessary our programming is. And without this fundraising, we've been doing everything virtually. We've had over 150 virtual events. We're trying to keep people in touch. We're still working with our schools to navigate this virtual world. We're doing trainings. So we've been able to, on a positive note, train so many more of our participants this year because you can fit 100 and 150 people on a Zoom, whereas typically, we can get maybe 10 people in, a, in an actual physical room. So I bring that up because I think I want people to, to know that the need is real and that it, it has affected us heavily. Um, and until we can raise enough funding, we really can't hire new people to help grow our programs and, and to open new chapters and to allow us to have the capacity to just to, to grow. Um, and some of these funds specifically can can really fund a school program, like you said. You know, um, your foundation was able to open three elementary schools, and without that funding, we probably wouldn't have been able to open three schools. So the funding really does equate specifically to us being able to open chapters. Um, so the walk back to the walk. Um, the whole purpose is really to, to celebrate inclusion and to spread our mission and to encourage people to get involved. It's really fun to you know you can register online again if you go to our website all of that is there um but you can register for a walk you can start a team you can invite your friends to join you can add your personal photo a personal bio what it means to you um we have tons of prizes and incentives uh if you raise fifty dollars you get our shirt and then up from there you will there was a pair of um there was a pair of cons in there a pair of like best buddies converse sneakers yes. yeah so and what's really cool this year for anybody who um has been involved before typically you know let's say you raise a thousand dollars that puts you, you that means you can choose a prize from a list of things that fall in that category or below this year every single you know every time you hit that a metric a fundraising metric you get sent a, 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 an award so if i fundraise fifty dollars uh well the t-shirt you get in person at the at the day of the walk because we have to wait for to print those right. let's say you raise um you know $250, you get sent a long sleeve Best Buddies t-shirt. If you get to 500, you get a beanie. If you get to 1500, you get, um, I think it is the, the converse. So you oh, just automatically get is, those it is, prizes. It is 1500 because I saw it and I was like, you know what? I got two daughters that would love those sneakers. That's going right. to right. be three grand. Or I got to find somebody to, to be yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. It's fun and, and you get sent those, those prizes right away. And um, hopefully that will get people excited and we all we always do prizes too. You know, we'll do um, different incentives like you can win a Dunkin' hundred dollar Dunkin' card if you fundraise more than fifty dollars this week or whatever. Um, and we also do you know our top teams. So we always have our top fundraising teams, the most registered members, um, the individual who fundraises the most, and we we give out awards for that. Um, but yeah, it, it's a really fun day, and we're we're. We just had launched, we, we launched this whole event series um, about a week and a half ago. So we're steadily moving forward. The, the best thing that people can do who are listening is to register for the event. You don't necessarily have to donate. Um, you can register and at least get the word out for us. I think that's the biggest thing. And if you work for uh, you know a company who might be willing to sponsor or get involved in a bigger way, we have some sponsor benefits, which are great. Um, you know, you get your name out there to the local community your name's on our t-shirt that goes out to a thousand people. Um, you know, we can do whatever we need to do to, to work that out. So, um, so yeah. wrap, wrap, wrap it up for me. Wrap, wrap, we're, we're about to wrap in three minutes. So I just want to okay. bring, bring us home and then I got a few things I got to kind of, uh, kind of put a bow on it. So how do they get bestbuddies.org? Is that the website? I mean, I have it up yeah. on the screen. Yep. All right. And then, um, talk to me about how do they follow Best Buddies, you know, on different socials. I mean, if you remember them by heart, if not, I can always put them in. in, in yeah. The um, so I believe most of our handles are Best Buddies NY or something similar. Um, so 
there are a ton of social media handles for Best Buddies. There's a Best Buddies International page, which you can always follow. That's going to give you the big picture. Um, and it's pretty easy to find the different the different states um, by going to our website. That is going to be the best way, I would say, for listeners, the easiest way, instead of trying to give people a really long stream of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll follow up with people. We'll, yeah, we can definitely put that you know, I have it all in my email. I was going to look for it, too, but we, yeah. can, well, we can always follow up with people. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, LinkedIn. You know, you can definitely follow us on any of those. We definitely try to be active on on social um, so that's a great way to, to learn more. You can always shoot us an email. We have lots of volunteer opportunities. You know, we have a committee, so it's helping us with the walk. We have boards, we have, um, these different trainings that we need volunteers for. We have the citizens programs, school programs that are open. So if something, people for, something for everybody at best, what yeah, there definitely, definitely is. All right. I appreciate being here, Sophie. Thank you so much. Uh, this is a special day. This means a lot. It's actually our fifth episode of the live program. So lucky number Thank five. You. Thanks for being here with me. Right. I, uh, we're going to just bring it home, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the wrap up. It's Tommy D coming at you from the attic. Next week on the program, I'm interviewing my buddy, Thomas Gretsch. I call him Tom, but Thomas Gretsch, the CEO of the Queens Chamber of Commerce. I have an incredible relationship with the Queens Chamber. More to come on the program about this, but each month now, Philanthropy and Focus sponsors a new member of the Queens Chamber of Commerce, a new nonprofit member. So every month I'm gonna be sponsoring a new member. But Tom Gretsch will be on the show talking about Queens, my favorite borough, certainly. So now I'm in trouble with four boroughs. But Queens is certainly my favorite borough. Uh, grew up in Queens a little bit, spent a lot of time in Queens, lived in Queens for a while. Um, after my program, don't forget, though, a uh, couple things. The guys who are going to be on the show right after me, always Friday with my buddy Steve Fry. What's up, Steve? Have a great show. Jeremiah Fox, the entrepreneurial web, comes on right after Steve. And then Joe McElroy with Wise Content Creates Wealth to kind of round off our uh, SMB business program that we do each week here on talkradio.nyc. Don't forget the New York City Imagine Awards applications are available, nycimagineawards.com to get me. TommyD.NYC on Instagram. You'll find me on Facebook, find my name, LinkedIn, the whole thing. And my email is TommyD at philanthropyandfocus.com. And that's P-H-O-C-U-S. Sophie, have an incredible weekend. Thank you for being Thank here. you. You too. Thanks See for having me. See you guys soon. See you from the attic. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc.
Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 